Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. So, so you know, it's it's Father's Day, right? It's Father's Day, right? So um, dads aren't dads without dad jokes, yes? Um, everyone loves a good dad joke, so I have five, okay? <laughs> All right, you ready for this? I love these. Uh, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> okay. You're not going to make it through all five of these. Where do you learn to make a banana split? Sunday school. All right. <laughs> I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. <laughs> these are so stupid. <laughs> Why can't your nose be 12 inches long? Well, because then it would be a foot. <laughs> I, I regret putting these in there. All right. My dad told me a joke about boxing. I didn't really think it was that funny. I guess I just didn't get the punchline. All right. This is, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Uh, this is my first, first Father's Day as a dad, obviously. Uh, it's a very exciting time. I, I feel very, uh, very, I don't know, it's, it's a different feeling. It's awesome having, um, having someone who literally can't talk or think or really do anything on their own, kind of depend on you for life itself. So that's pretty cool. Um, I highly recommend it. It's, it's awesome. And it uh, just flies on by. My son, he's getting so old now. He's almost six months old. He'll be six months old this week. Uh, uh, yeah, this week. And uh, he's, he's already, he's, he's doing this thing. It's just so cute. He holds his own bottle now. I'm like, oh, why? It's like you don't need me anymore. He's got his, you know, two little teeth that are coming in in the bottom right here. I'm just like, oh, you're growing up. We're applying for colleges next week. Um, so, I mean, just, you're just flying on by, you know. <laughs> hey, so uh, we're, we're going to start a new series today. Um, I'm really excited for it. It's called Summer Stories. Summer Stories. Okay, and it, it's, it's very simple. Uh, there, there's, there's one purpose behind this, this whole series. It's going to last a really, really long time. It carries all throughout summer. Okay, Summer Stories is designed uh, in, in, to just tell some stories. And, and each and every single week, there's nothing that's, like, super connected all the time. It's, it's just one-off stories, um, some incredible stories from the Old Testament, the New Testament, some stories that you may not really even have heard of before, some obscure stories, um, things like this. I, 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 I love this idea because a lot of us tend to go on vacation throughout the summer, right? And uh, when, when you get back, I know you hate missing church on Sunday with sand in your toes. I get it. I know you hate it so much. So we've thought of you uh, for this series is that when you come back, you know, your new tan self, your new improved uh, self, your new Ray-Ban self, uh, you can come back to church and you, it's like you haven't missed anything. So um, this, is, this is getting rid of your excuse to say, oh man, I just feel too disconnected now that they're already three weeks into the series. Ah, I don't know. I, I can't go back. I'll just wait for the next series. So this, this gives you no excuse, all right? So I expect each and every single one of you here with tan lines and sunburn, if you're me, uh, you, you have no excuse anymore. But no, for real, we're just taking, some, uh, taking a look at some, uh, some of the stories uh, that, in the Bible that you may or may not be so familiar with, uh, some awesome times, and, and you know, see how we can apply them into our lives today. That's what we want to do. What's, you know, what good is a story if you don't understand it, right? So that's, that's the whole purpose. We're just going through some stories over the next few weeks, and let's just, you know, let's, the, the Bible is, 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 is an incredible love story of God. 
written by so many different authors and and there's so many different testimonies and so many different awesome stories in here that all show us God's heart and all show us God's nature. And so I I want us to go through some of these and really grasp how much our Father loves us. And uh, so that's what it's all about. So today we're starting with Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you're reading from your fresh Bible, it's page number 627. Luke chapter 15. If you have grown up in church, you know this passage really, really well. If you listen to contemporary Christian music, you know this passage as, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Um, this is what that song is based off of. But uh, just, just give you some backgrounds. You know, I, I, just, I just told you, like, we're going to read some real stories, some stories that really happen, awesome testimonies and everything. And then we're turning to Luke 15, and this is actually a parable, which means um, technically it didn't really actually happen. But let me explain. <laughs> so, so Jesus, is, um, Jesus is, is, is carrying on his ministry. He's doing a great job. And uh, as Jesus is going and teaching and preaching to different groups of people, um, all these people are just starting to follow him. And they're just all, all groups of people just starting to follow Jesus because he's just a really followable guy. You know, why wouldn't you want to follow Jesus? And, um, and so he, he, he uses um, a lot of the time these, these stories that he makes up called parables. Uh, and parables essentially is, is just to prove a point, okay? So if, if Jesus sees an issue, he wants to tell a story that, that addresses that issue in a way that we understand. That's the whole point of parables. And this isn't anywhere in the Bible or anything. This is just my thoughts here. And the reason I think that Jesus tells so many parables and has to make up so many stories to, to show us how much God loves us is because there are no stories of us that exemplify God's love, or at least back then, uh, that exemplify God's love as much as Jesus was trying to portray. So he has to use stories to make up because he doesn't have any real life examples. So that's a little convicting, but it's okay. But uh, th- this, is a, this, is, this is a parable and, um, of, of Jesus trying to prove a point here. And uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. There, there's really no context needed. It, it's, there's, um, we can pretty much get everything out of this that we need to from the very get-go. We're going to read the whole chapter, all 30, 32 verses, I think. 32. Yeah. So are you guys there? It's on the Bible behind me. Awesome. Okay, let's read Luke chapter 15, the whole thing starting in verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh my gosh, how dare him. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for that one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call on her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, for I have lost, I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point even further, uh, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. 
So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Use your imagination. About that time, the money about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to, into the fields to feed his, into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So when he returned home to his father, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy being, I no longer am worthy being a, oh my gosh. He said, said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father cut him off and said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening, for we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants that, what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Well, the older brother, brother was angry and, and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering his money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fattened calf. The father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. That's a long-winded story, but I think one worthy of reading, especially on Father's Day. I can't can't think of a more beautiful uh, way to represent the Father's heart and, and through Scripture and through this passage, through this story that Jesus told us and and that's really what I want to talk about today. I'm just going to take the next few few moments. Again, I told you my wife yelled at me last week for, for being too long, so I'm trying to keep it short. I'm going to take the next few moments, at least an hour, just kidding, to talk about this, this subject. And, and you can make this the title of, of the sermon, too, The Heart of the Father. The Heart of the Father. This is what we're going to be talking about today, the heart of our Father. Let's jump in prayer, and we'll, we'll get right in here. Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing time that we have that we get to spend with you today. God, I just pray that you would speak to us in a way that is so fresh and so new and, and, and so vibrant that we, that we leave thinking, wow, I, I didn't know you loved me this much. I didn't know you were this passionate about me. Just pray you would change our perspective a little bit today. Let us see things differently than the way we came in this morning, and just pray you would capture our hearts and do something incredible within us. We love you so much. We give you this time to praise and honor and worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. 
So, uh, you know, it's, it is Father's Day, right? We, we've been over, um, we love dads. Uh, you guys are awesome. You guys are important. I'm talking to myself. I'm awesome. I'm important, you know. You gotta build myself up a little bit. But, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've been a dad for almost six months and it's, it's been awesome. Um, but, you know, there's, there's one thing I learned about being a dad that I didn't quite expect, but I kind of did at the same time. Um, and that is that is, it's, it's almost as if as soon as Judah was born, I just forgot everything. Everything. I, I don't know if this is like a common trend with dads. <laughs> it's, I, I guess you call it dad brain. I don't know. Um, you know, like I had ADHD before. And so like, you know, sometimes I just get a little ang- ambitious and I leave a cabinet door open or I leave a car door open because I just want to go do something else. Like, eh, sue me, right? But, you know, I just, whenever I had my son and I became a father and I became responsible for, for somebody, I just like forgot everything. Like everything at all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is anyone else's dad like just forget everything? Like you just your dad just cannot remember. A th- you know, my dad was the same way. I thought he was just a goofball growing up, and he just he just forgot things. Um, but I, I just I can't remember a darn thing. I, it, I don't know what it is. It's it's I forget um, where I put things. I lose things all the time. I, I, you know, I'll be like working on something at the house or something. I'll have this tool in my hand and I'll set it down and I'll turn around just for like two seconds and I'll go back and it's not there. And I swear it's Stephanie just moving it, trying to, trying to mess with me, but I can't prove it. So I don't know yet, but, but I, I just, for some reason I forget everything. I lose things left and right. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but moms, thank God for moms, right? <laughs> they know where everything is. Even when your dad doesn't, they know where everything is. When we were, um, when I was traveling back and forth, I know this is Father's Day, but you know, we can commend the moms too. When I was traveling back and forth, when Judah was in the hospital uh, and we had baptism day, you remember this at the end of, uh, at the end of April, we had baptism day and you know, I have a baptism shirt and I could not find it for the life of me. I lost it, had no clue where it was. And I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know where to search. I've searched in all these bins. We have like eight different bins for eight different, you know, all the colors of the rainbow, I don't know. And, and it's never right. I, I, I can choose either one. It, it, it never is right, according to my wife. And uh, I, I texted her, I was like, hey, this is a long shot. I know you've not been home in four months, but let me just see, do you know where my baptism shirt is? She's like, yeah, it's in the laundry room with, under the thing and, and in that bin. I was like, no, it's not. I already checked there. And sure enough, I checked there and there it was again. <laughs> I was like, how do you know this? I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about. Um, what it is about when you become a dad, when you become a, a father figure, you just lose everything. You forget everything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. You, when you feel like you're missing something, when you've lost something, uh, it's just like you, you lose a, a part of you. You know, it's like when I forget my wallet, it just ruins my whole day. I walk, you know, sideways now because it's, it's, it's not with me. And so like when you lose something, it's like you lose a part of you. Your whole equilibrium is off. Um, Especially if you lose something, you have no, not the slightest clue. Like, you know, I, I can retrace my steps sometimes, but sometimes that doesn't even work. And uh, you, just, you just lose something. Um, there's a story in the Bible where uh, Mary and Joseph, you know, the, the mother and stepfather of Jesus, uh, they lost Jesus in the temple. They lost him. He's 12 years old. They lost, they lost God. Hello? <laughs> they lost him. And uh, for three days, they didn't notice for three days. They're in the caravan, you know, just heading back from some big feast from Jerusalem. And they're like, where's Jesus? Huh, I don't know. And they, just, they, they start looking, and they're like, wait a second, he's not with us. And they go back to the temple. He's in the temple, and he's like, really? Come on, I'm just doing the work, you know? <laughs> but I just, you know, it's, it's, something, it's something about losing something just does not make you feel good, and, and especially if you have no idea where it is and, and how you get it back. Uh, but there's always a point in time where it's more beneficial 
to just cut your losses and stop pursuing what you have lost, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's think practically here. If you lose your keys, are you going to stay home from work for five days because you don't have a car to get there? Or, or are you going to just get an Uber and go to the dealership and pay 200 bucks to get some more keys? You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, if, if, if you lose a $1 bill, you probably search for it for about three minutes before you give up. It's like, yeah, it's a dollar. If you lose a $100 bill, it's the same size, looks the same, but the value's different. And, and so you, you would search maybe for even a couple days if you gave up at all. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's, sometimes it's more beneficial just to cut your loss. It's not what, what I'm searching for. It's just not worth it. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. It's not worth my, my efforts. Um, you know, the, the length of the pursuit outweighs the value. I'm sorry. If the length of the pursuit outweighs the value of what is lost, it is more beneficial to just cut your losses and stop searching, stop pursuing. And there's always a point in time where, you know, searching for what is lost is no longer worth the time, effort, resources, and willpower to find it. But here's the defining factor. It's all based on the value, the value of what is lost. So, so, so the value of what is lost determines the length of the pursuit. So when you lose something, depending on the value is how long you search for it, right? And so, so when, we, when we jump into to Luke chapter 15 here, you know, there's this, there's this huge giant group of, of people. There's this huge crowd of people, no social distancing at all. And the Pharisees, they, they take note of this and they, they're like, huh, what's, what's going on? over there. And, uh, you know, th- this isn't just a normal crowd of people. This is a crowd of, of nobodies. This is a crowd of, of people of little value, people of no value, at least according to the Pharisees. <clears throat> you know, these, these are the Pharisees, the, the religious teachers of the day, the religious leaders of the day, the people that are the closest to God. These people have status. These people have authority. These people have merit. And they made sure that everybody knew about it. So when they see a bunch of tax collectors and, and prostitutes and thieves and, and beggars and other notorious sinners gathering together, they, they see these people and like, these people are of, of little value. These people are of no value at all. Little worth. What on earth are they gathering around for? What are they gathering? Who are they gathering around for? You know, so, so this is worthy of an investigation. If you see a bunch of people that are worth no, nothing, to, at least according to them, so they're going to go out and they're going to check this, this crowd of, of people that they see. And, and when they make their way into the, the crowd, little did they know when they got to the middle, there was Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter, around, surrounded by these nobodies, Surrounded by these rejects, surrounded by these people that are socially outcasts, you know, these people that are worth nothing, according to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees start criticizing Jesus because of the company that he's with. You know, this, this is the guy that people call the Messiah? For real? This, this is the guy. If, if he really was the Messiah, he would know who he's sitting with. He would know who he's talking with. He would know who they are. He would know who they associate with. He would know where they've done, where they've been. He would know all this if he truly was the Messiah, if he truly was the Son of God or, or the prophet that he claims to be. You know, there's, there's no way that this guy is the Messiah when he spends his time hanging out with people of little value. There's no way. There's no way. And then, and then they, they find out that not only does he just spend his time with them, but he eats with them. 
He, he would even eat with them. And now, understand the culture back in the day is when you would eat with somebody, when you would communally have a meal with somebody, that, that is, a, that is a, a social interaction, a social cue that says, hey, I approve of this person. I, I, I enjoy the company of this person. It's kind of like in, you know, in, in high school, whenever it's like the first day of school and you got to find out where to sit in the lunchroom, and you're like, okay, i got to try to avoid all the band nerds. That way the rest of my year isn't compromised because I sat on, in the table with the band nerds. I know because I sat by myself at lunch because I was band nerd. I'm just kidding. I, I sat with other band nerds, but, you know, it's the same thing, you know? <laughs> who you sit with and who you eat with shows the world, shows everybody else who you associate with, who you accept culturally. And so, you know, this is why Nicodemus, remember we, we talked about Nicodemus last night, or last night, last uh, week, last week. And Nicodemus came at night. There we go. Nicodemus came at night. Why? Because he was afraid. Because he was a religious teacher. He was a religious leader. He was afraid of what other people would think of him if they saw him with the guy who hangs out with nobodies. He would lose all of his status. He would lose all of his merit. He would lose all of his credibility as a Pharisee, as a religious teacher, if he was caught hanging out with somebody that hangs out with nobodies. And so he met him in the dark. That's what Nicodemus did. But Jesus... Jesus has the audacity to meet these people that, that the, the culture, the world says are too lost. The, the world says are, are of, of, of little worth, of, of, of little value. He, he, Jesus hangs out with these sinners, these outcasts and rejects and, and failures in plain sight in the middle of the day, fully unashamed, fully unashamed, knowing that everyone is going to criticize him, knowing that the Pharisees saw these people as too far gone, not worthy of, of, of hanging out with, not worthy of investing time into, too, too far beyond repair, too, too far for restoration, too damaged. That's how the world saw these people, too lost. But not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. Why? Because the, the, the value of what you're searching for determines the length of the pursuit. So Jesus sees all of these broken and lost and hurting and hungry people, these outcasts, these rejects, the, the, the ones, this group of people that the, the world says is of little to no worth at all. And Jesus is like, these people are worth everything to me. I'm pursuing them with, with all that I have in plain sight, unashamed, to be with these people. The world says they're too lost, they're too broken, but Jesus doesn't. And you know, it's funny how the ones who claim to be, the ones who are supposed to be so close to God are the ones that typically are furthest from his heart. That's how the Pharisees were. Because God's heart is about people. So Jesus, Jesus hears the criticism. Jesus knows what they're talking about. He, he understands the, the, the social cues and everything that the, that the Pharisees are making, scoffing and, and mocking him. I can't believe he would hang out with them. I can't believe he would eat with them. I, I can't believe this guy. And Jesus hears the criticism. He doesn't care. But he, and, 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 and so he tells him this three-part story, this three-part story about uh, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, to get them the, to, to the, just grasp the distance that our God would go to redeem what has been lost. 
Because it's, it's, if you're a shepherd, right, and you have 100 sheep, it's completely asinine for you to lose one of them because it's so stupid and, and just doesn't want to be under your care anymore. It's, it's completely ridiculous to talk to your sheep because that's what the shepherds do and say, hey, guys, hang on here just for a minute. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go get him. I don't know when I'm going to come back, but I, I'll, I'll come back with him on my shoulders and leave the 99 sheep to go find the one. That's ridiculous. And this is the story that Jesus is telling. And, and probably in the Pharisees' mind and everyone else around is like, well, that's a stupid shepherd, <laughs> you know? That doesn't make any sense. And he tells a, a, that the second part of the story of, of a woman who has 10 coins. And it's, uh, it's, it's estimated that the coin is about worth a day's wages. So whatever you make in a day, that's about what the coins are worth. And she has 10 of these coins and loses one. So she has 90% still of, of, of what she had before. And yet she takes all day, all night, just ripping her house apart, sweeping everything. Says she lights a lamp because there was, you know, they didn't have Edison bulbs or you know, LEDs or anything like that. So she's lighting a lamp, looking around her house, which is probably just like really, really dark. And you know, it's like mud houses back then. Really, really dark. And she's looking. She's tearing her whole house apart just to find one coin. One coin. You know, most of us would be like, yeah, we'll find it eventually. Like, it's not completely lost, but not this woman. She's like, I got to do everything to find this one coin. And when she does find the one coin, she invites her friends over and says, hey, let's have a party. I found my coin. Probably throws a party that costs more than the coin is worth. Just saying. So it doesn't make any sense. And then he gets to the sun. And now most of us think, okay, well, maybe Jesus you know, has, has this soft spot. We, we've, he's captured the audience and, and has the soft spot of their hearts in because of the sun and, you know, family is everything. But not in the culture back then. In the culture back then, if your son takes, uh, um, takes his inheritance, goes off and he spends all of it on stupid stuff, wild living, you know, use your imagination, whatever you would probably do, right? You know, that's <laughs> nothing we wouldn't want anybody else to know. And so he takes his inheritance and spends it all on wild living and has nothing. In, in the culture back then, it was culturally acceptable for you to say, I no longer have a son. I only have this guy. He's not my son. He is no longer part of the family. We do not associate with him. We reject him. That was, that was the culturally acceptable thing to do is, is just to leave your son, right? And, and, and so, um, you know, he, he doesn't, des- if he spends all of his money on wild living, he deserves to eat. He deserves to eat what the pigs are eating, right? This is culturally acceptable to just not have a son anymore if he goes off and does something stupid and reckless like that. But Jesus shows us the passion that the father has for the son, the, 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 the un, unfailing love that the father has for this son. Jesus used this story to show the Pharisees that no matter the circumstances, our value is determined by God, and it never changes. It never diminishes. Therefore, his pursuit of us never ends. No matter where we go, what we do, our value never changes because it is determined by God who put his image on you. So the value never changes, the pursuit never ends. And this is what Jesus is trying to get across to these people. He doesn't, his love isn't dependent on what you've done or not done. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his child. He doesn't care what you've done. He just wants you to come home. That's the heart of our father. And there's nothing we could ever do that would make God change the way that he feels about you. And you think about it this way, you know, the sheep didn't betray the shepherd. 
The coin didn't betray the woman. The, the son betrayed the father. The only one who has the, the, um, who has the right to not pursue him pursues him anyways. Because he wants to show us how much our father loves us. He kept searching. He kept searching. He kept searching. And so the Bible says, you know, uh, the father, when he saw him a long distance off, he went out and ran to him and, and embraced him in his arms. And you don't see someone a long way off unless you're constantly looking for them. I like to imagine the father would, ever since the son left, as he watched him step over the horizon and, and enter his life into wild living, I, I like to imagine the father never stepped outside without looking for his son. The father never stopped looking for his son and, and was just waiting for the day that he would finally see him step over the horizon. And when he did, he was going to make the trip out there and, and, and chase after him to show him how much he loves him, regardless of what he's done. There is nothing like our father's love. Paul writes it so beautifully in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord, the love of Jesus determines our value and nothing else can diminish it. No amount of sin, no amount of gossip, no amount of what's been spoken over you in the past, no amount of recklessness, no amount of prodigal living will ever stop God's pursuit of us. He just wants us to come back home. He just wants us to come back home. And I think we can all relate with the prodigal son at times. I think we can all look back and, you know, and ask parts of our lives and aspects in our lives and be like, you know, I think I was a prodigal there. Man, I'm glad I'm, 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 glad I'm back home. Or maybe you're in that, maybe you're there now and you're like, I know this isn't the best part of my life. I know that I've not always accepted the love of the Father. I've kind of gone and done what I want to do. And look where it's ended, ended, you know, look where I'm ending up. I'm eating the stuff that I feed the pigs. I think we've all, we can all relate with the prodigal son at times. And that's why a lot of us like this story, you know. We like, we like to hear about, oh, the wonderful love of Jesus just so, ah, so um, vast and so wide and, and, and nothing can ever change his love. And that's true. And I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I think we can all relate with the prodigal son, but... I think we can also relate with another character in the story as well, the older brother. The older brother. See, the, only, the, the older brother was the only person in the story that was unhappy about the return of his brother. His brother went off and spent his, spent his inheritance probably pretty quickly too and, you know, on, on, on wild living, on, on spending it on this. No one would ever spend all their money on that or that or that. And, and now he's run out of money, has nowhere else to go, and he comes back home. I don't know what he's trying to get out of this, but he comes back home, and what does the father do? He, he, he pulls the ribeyes out of the, out of the freezer and throws him a party? He's celebrating this? 
He's celebrating the fact that he went off and, and just completely wasted a part of his life and wasted a lot of my dad's money. Why are we celebrating this? He doesn't understand the love of the Father. He doesn't understand the love of the Father. He, he's thinking this is no reason to celebrate. And logically, logically, the older brother is right. Logically, the older brother is, is right in, in feeling this way. But the older brother doesn't understand the extremity of the love of his father. And, 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 and the father's love is illogical, and it makes absolutely no sense. This is why Jesus prefaces this story with the other two stories, where it's, it's, it's the love that's consistent, and the love that will chase you down, even if, even if you don't want to be chased down. All you got to do is turn around and find that he's been right there the whole time. But the brother doesn't get this. The older brother doesn't get this. His love is illogical. It doesn't make sense. On paper, no, it doesn't. And he's thinking to himself, this brother, he's not worthy of, of a party. He's not worthy of a ring and a, and a robe and, and sandals for his feet and the ribeyes that we've been saving for a really, really long time. He's not worthy of that. And he complains to his dad, this is not fair. You've never done this for me. And, and the father's like, look, we're not celebrating what he's done. We're celebrating that he was once dead. He was dead, but now he's back to life. This is why we celebrate. This is why I'm so passionate about this. We have to celebrate. This, is, this calls for a celebration. I think if we aren't careful, this older brother spirit can creep into our lives where we criticize one another, thinking, oh, you're not worthy of God's love. What you've done, that's way too bad. We don't want that in the church. No. We start picking and choosing who is, is worthy and deserving of God's love. <laughs> Just take a look in the mirror and we'll find nobody's worthy of God's love. Nobody deserves God's love, but he gives it freely. And he gives it freely to, to everyone, not just the ones that we like. And so this older brother spirit kind of creeps into our lives sometimes and we pick and choose who we want. You know, our coworkers, some of them are just, eh, we're not gonna deal with them. They're just too messed up. You know, uh, maybe the, the people that, that I, I pass on the street, like I'm just gonna keep my head down and walk past them because they're, I don't, they're not deserving of God's love. They're, they don't need to know about my church. They don't need to know about my faith. You know, we, our family members, they've, they've wronged me too many times. They're not worthy of it. My friends, the ex-friends that have wronged me too many times, they're not worthy of it. Of it. The, the people that we that, 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 that vote differently than me, the people that look differently than me, the people that smell differently than me, I don't want them in my circle. We can't base showing God's love to someone off of how we feel about them, but instead we have to base it on how God feels about them. We have to see people with God's value system. Our value system is imperfect. But God's value system is so perfect. Are they created in his, in his image? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. If they're created in his image, then, he has, then they have intrinsic value. And we have, to show, we have to show them the same love that God has for them because God values them more than we do. Jesus went to Calvary for people that spit on him, that mocked him, that beat him 
that shoved a crown of thorns into his head, ripped his clothes off and, 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 and gambled for them. At any moment, he could have had the angels come and sweep him up and just, <laughs> I'm not doing this. These guys are too messed up. But he saw the value in each and every single one of them as they were beating him and crucifying him and nailing him to a cross. This is the same man that says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. This is the love of our Father. I quote this this verse all the time, but I, I absolutely love it. This is from Jesus in John chapter 13. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I probably quote this passage at least once every two weeks. But I love it so much because Jesus shows that, that this, this world is evil and broken. And man, it needs the love of a father. How do we get that to the world? How, do, how does the world see the, 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 the love that's shown in Luke chapter 15 in those three stories? How do people see that love? Well, it's through us. The, it's, how we love one another shows the world God's love. Shows the world that you are my disciples. And if we aren't proving to the world that God's love is inclusive and available for everybody, then we're proving that God's love is exclusive and that there is too far that you can go. And that's, that's, no, that's no father I want to, to have loving me. That's no father I want to be with. We've got a whole world out there that is so desperate for, a, for the love of a good Father, and yet we would rather keep our reach within our comfortable, our comfortable circles. We would rather just post on the gram, like post a picture of our Bible and our coffee, be like, oh, Jesus time, yes. And then use that same account to slander people and condemn people. We would rather do that than, than do what Jesus did, which was get down in the dirt with people the people that have so much value. You know, there's not a single person you'll ever lock eyes with that God doesn't love so, so much. Not a single person you'll ever run into that Jesus didn't give up his life for. We have to see people with that kind of value. We have to to love people with the same love that God has for each and every single one of us. Not just people that are beneficial to us, that can do something for us, but the people that we just see in the world. I believe God places us in situations for such a time as this. And I don't don't think that any time is an inconvenience, but I think every time is a time for God to do the inconceivable. Where you are right now, God has placed you around people that are so desperate and hurting and broken and hungry for the love of God. And and it's our responsibility to to get that love out there, to show people that this world isn't as, as, and yes, this world is as bad as it seems, but there's there's a God who who loves us and and, and, and is, is, is in this world too. And he's just so eager to show you his love. We just have to be aware of it. We have to be open to it. So I want to ask us this, to what extent 
Will we go to show someone the love of Jesus? What's our limit? You know, what's, what, is, what is too far? How, what, is, what is too far for how we show people love? Is it, is it praying for someone in, in public? Is it inviting someone to church? Is that too far? Is that overstepping the boundary a little bit? Your boundary? What's too far? Is it sharing your testimony with somebody, even knowing that they're going to spread it all over the office? <laughs> what's, what's too far for us? We, we had a conversation um, in our life group uh, last Monday. We, we have a life group that meets every other Monday for the young adults, and it's, we have incredible conversations. So awesome. And we were reading in John chapter 13, and this is where uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And we laughed about it, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's gross. You know, we know some people with some crusty feet, like, oh, that's, that's nasty, you know. But then the more we talked about it, we were like, wait, wait a second. This is, this is something Jesus actually did. This is, he, he is a, the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he did some, the job of a lowly servant. We had to ask ourselves, why on earth would he do this? Why on earth would he wash people's crusty feet, you know? And they weren't as nice as they are back then. They had open-toed shoes everywhere they went. They were gross. And this is where that passage came from. People will know you're my disciples by the way that you love. And I think all of us at the, at the end of it were like, oh, is the extent of how far we would go, would I really actually wash somebody's feet? <laughs> You don't have to answer that out loud, but maybe ask yourselves that. Could we bring ourselves to be so low that we would actually take a rag and water and wash somebody's crusty feet? And if the answer is no, I wonder if we don't quite understand the love of our Father. The one who, as we are building barriers, he is building bridges to get to us. If we can't wash somebody's feet, well, how are we ever going to serve them? If the answer is no before we even meet them, maybe we have a skewed understanding of how vast the love of our Father is. God never stops pursuing us. God never stops pursuing anybody else because our value is way too great to him. And we have the opportunity in every situation that we're in to give that same love back to the people we're surrounded with. And watch how, how that moment you, you encountered the love of, of Jesus changed you. We get to facilitate that same change in other people. We get to be the messengers. We have the best news that we get to share. <laughs> it seems as if we're the most held in sometimes too. The love of our Father is so vast, so wide, so deep. There's nothing that can separate us from that. So let's avoid that older brother spirit. Not, not condemn people, not shame people, not, ah, it's too far. But what if we embraced the spirit of our God and embraced everyone that we come in contact with, regardless of what we disagree about them? 
Imagine how much this could change your office. Imagine how much this could change your family. Imagine how much this could change your friend group. Imagine how much this could change the coffee shop you go into. Imagine how much this could change our city, our state, our nation, eventually our world. But it starts with stewarding who God has placed you with right now. Let's embrace the love of our Father and show it to everybody else. Let's jump up on our feet real quick and uh, get ready to skedaddle, as my dad would say. <laughs> Honor him on Father's Day, you know. You know, there's a huge mission field outside the four walls of, these church, of this church. And uh, there are people that walk up and down downtown Winchester all the time that are so desperate and hurting. And you never know what you're, what, who you're going to run into that needs the love of Jesus. But I just want to encourage you to be open and be aware of, of what God might want to do in somebody's life through you. Be, be open to the Holy Spirit. Be, be, be listening to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and follow those nudges. Move and act on those nudges that say, I don't know if this is what we're supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do, but I feel like you're asking me to do this, so I'm just gonna step out and do it. Watch what'll happen. It's gonna completely change your life and it'll completely change theirs, but let's be the weird church. <laughs> Can I encourage you to do that today? Let's be the weird church that actually goes out and that actually goes out and loves people the way that, that God does. So that's our challenge for today for Father's Day. As we go and eat mashed potatoes with our family, let's go love them the way that Jesus does. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing time that we get to spend together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your stories and your instruction and your divine structure and plan to get us to, to hear this message right now. Your divine love and, 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 and nurturing and caring for us. God, we're so grateful for this. I pray that we never take it for granted and that we know that we have a Father who loves us with no strings attached. God, I pray as we head out today, you would empower us and equip us with what we need to, to, uh, to, to further your mission for, for the kingdom, to further the purpose in our lives that you've placed us here for. Pray that you would reveal that to us and speak to us ways that you want us to, to act on your Holy Spirit, ways that you want us to do certain things the way that you want us to do them. God, we just say we're open today. We're open for what you have for us. We're open to your voice. We're open to your spirit. And, and I just pray that you would allow us to, to have, the, uh, to, to, to have the, the, the mindset and the skill set to do what you want us to do. But at the heart of it all, it's a loving the people you value so much. I pray that you would give us the mental capacity to do that, to love the people that hurt us, to love the people that betrayed us, to love the people that left us, to love the people that stabbed us in the back. Because if you can die for them, well, we certainly can show them your love. 
I just pray if anyone here is a, would consider themselves a prodigal or maybe someone who's a little far off, just know the Father's love is here for you. And when you turn around, repent and see his eyes and see him, you'll, you'll, you'll look into his eyes and realize that he's been behind you the whole time just waiting for you to turn around and he's ready to pick you up and place you on his shoulders and take you back, take you back home. His love is for you, not against you. All the ways that you've, you've, you've heard about God and you've heard about Jesus that are in, in ways that are shameful and, and hateful, it's so not true. There's a Father who loves you so much. And I know sometimes we, 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 uh, we have preconceived notions because of our earthly fathers and we, we place those preconceived notions onto God and thinking that he acts in the way that our earthly father does. I promise you he doesn't. I promise you he's so much better. And he really does love you for who you are. I want you to know that today before we go out and, and I want to encourage you to just take a next step towards him, whatever that looks like. To say, Jesus, I, I don't know everything about you. Maybe I've never you know, even opened the book. But I want to pursue you because I know you're pursuing me. And I want to invite you into my life today. I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't, before you leave this room, because I promise you, you're going to walk out of here and everything is going to be different. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be so much better. God, we love you, praise you, pray protect us on our way out. Let us give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com slash give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Jesus.